0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: wonder if one more time we could lift our hands and love the Lord together. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this day. We thank you this day. We thank you this day for all of your goodness and your blessings. Would you lift your voice and let's magnify God in this place. Jesus, you are great and mighty God. 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 God. We bless you today, Jesus. We bless you today, Jesus. We bless you today, Jesus. We bless your name. We praise you this morning, God. We praise you this morning, God. We praise you this morning, God. We praise you today. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. I'll be reading from the New King James this morning. Uh, if that's perhaps the word you don't happen to tote, that's fine. My understanding is Sister Sarah and our wonderful media team over here has got everything ready for you on the screen because I'm going to refer back to this. Is it okay? Uh, I try. I really do try not to get so worked up when I'm preaching. It just doesn't always work out that way. Um But I want to talk to you about some things this morning uh, from my heart. Uh, I had thought I had figured out what I wanted to speak to you this morning, I think Thursday evening. And then Friday morning, I started looking at some stuff, and I was like, you know, I think we're going to go a different direction. And then again yesterday morning. And then we got in here this morning, and Brother uh, uh, Bishop Boyd starts jumping around all in my stuff today. And it's very tempting when you get into a situation like this to say, let's go that other direction. You know, God done handled this one, so let's do it. But then there's also a book that says God confirms out of two mouths. So I'm going to stay with this, and I hope this is a blessing. Uh, I hope you find this to be a help to you. And what I'm saying, I'll just preface this morning. I am not saying things that I've made up or got out of a book somewhere. I'm telling you things that I feel like God has shown me in my life, and I want to share that with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Judges chapter 6? How long do y'all preach on Sunday mornings? Until about 2. Until 2. I will probably get 3 messages. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. Uh, Judges chapter six. We're going to skip around in here. If you're a note taker, I don't mind. That's fine, just as long as you say amen and clap when it's time, just to make me feel like I'm doing something halfway right. Beginning with verse one, the children of the uh, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand. These are always tough scriptures to read. When God is doing this, you know, we're always thinking, God, deliver us, deliver us, keep us, protect us. And then we read something like this. It really messes with us. Delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel, listen to this, made themselves dens, caves, and strongholds which are in the mountains. Jump down to verse 11. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Okay? Okay? Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I want to talk to you this morning about a faith beyond logic. A faith that will take you beyond logic. Okay, so if you would, one more time before we're seated, lift your hands and let's ask God to bless His Word. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless right now your Word, God. I pray that you would touch every mind and every heart in this room this morning. We pray, Jesus, that you would touch and bless everyone that is here this morning, God, with your word. I pray that you would give us ears sensitive to what the Spirit is saying to your church this hour. I pray, God, that it would pierce the ear, God, and get into the heart and into the spirit of every individual here this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray, God, that you would expose us to your word in a way that would impact our thinking today. That we would walk out of here different the way we came in, God. In the name of Jesus, this is my prayer today for this wonderful congregation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, God bless your word. (laughs) You can be seated. And amen works too. There are, everybody ready? Ready? There are impossible situations that confront every one of us throughout life. Uh, it doesn't matter how old you are. It does not matter how long you have been in the truth. It does not matter how long you've been walking with God. There are times, seasons that we go through where we, inf- we face these impossible situations. It these situations can be terrifying. It can be anything from the family receiving bad news, our family falling apart. It can be uh, a job situation, play, uh, situation playing out on us and us not knowing exactly what is going to happen next. It could be a doctor's report. I may have mentioned this to you before. About 15 years ago, I dealt with, well, 17 years ago, I dealt with a, uh, a serious bout of cancer. And uh, it cost me basically a year of my life going through chemo and radiation and all the sickness and all the drama that's connected with all that. But God delivered us. He healed us and delivered us through all of that. But these are these impossible situations where we don't understand why they happen. We don't understand why. Surely, God, there's another way to teach me what you want me to know than sending me down to the Midianites, right? Right? And so we run into these situations that can range, range from one extreme to the, uh, to the other. You may be here today dabbling in ministry, f- trying to find your place. And I don't, It doesn't matter. What I'm about to tell you today will be something that can help you if you'll take it to heart. As these situations arise, we have a choice that we have to make. We can allow weakness and wavering to dominate us. And that would allow the situation to completely defeat us. Or we can be strong in our faith and we can go after the situation. We can go after what God wants for us through faith and we can face it head on. Now I want you to note this right here. If we stand alone, by that I mean we are standing without the strength and without the power of God... Bishop preached about the favor of God this morning. If we stand alone in our situation like this, standing only in our strength and what we are able to do, then the outcome is in so many ways unpredictable. We may win some battles, but we will eventually be crushed and defeated, and we will lose the war. I'm not telling you that you might. I am telling you, if you stand alone without God, you are going to lose. I'm not saying that you're not going to lose every battle. You are going to win some battles, but you are going to lose the war. We have to have faith in God. Faith is that seemingly elusive element that affects every part of our walk with God. It takes faith for us to come to God. It takes faith for us to walk with God. It takes faith for us to receive anything from God. How many knows God does not have an email address? He ain't got an 800 number. Uh, There's no post office box. You know, we write Santa sometimes of the year. Dear Santa, P.O. Box, whatever, way up at the North Pole. It doesn't exist, but we like to think that it does. God does not have a P.O. box number. He doesn't have an email address. The only way that we can get in touch with God is through our faith. The only way that we can receive from God is through our faith. Now faith is so critical. This is that seemingly elusive concept. We read about a definition from Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? So what is it? When you back up and you read in 11, chapter 1 of Hebrews... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If there is a more wordy verse in the Bible, I don't know what it is. Whoever wrote this, perhaps it was Paul, I don't know, but he tells us what faith is by definition is that intangible thing that you're supposed to hold on to. Now does that not sound crazy to anybody else in the room? Faith is intangible, but you've got to hold on to it. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, evidence of something clearly seen, you can see it, of things not seen. Okay, so, when we dive into this, there is in your human nature, placed there by God, the ability to believe. I don't care who you are, you can call yourself an atheist, you can call yourself an agnostic, whatever those big fancy words you want to, you're believing a lie when you do that. You can say, Well, I just don't believe. No, you're believing that you don't believe. I can I can outword you, okay? But faith in God is this essential thing. We have to have faith in God. We can't have confidence in our own strength. We don't have confidence in anything else, in people. But we have this unwavering faith in God and that is what propels us into the area that God wants us to live. Not to just visit on occasions. He wants us to live. He wants us to move there. He wants us not just survive. He wants us to thrive in these areas where we are living for God, walking with God, touching the lives of other people for the kingdom of God. Not in my strength or some other force outside the strength of God. But this is essential. Because whatever is born of God overcomes the world, says John. And your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And so I I preached to you this morning. And while I'm going to take a different approach and it's going to sound sort of negative, I promise you this is a very positive message. Active living faith in God stirs God to intervene and to help us face critical situations situations in life, and it manifests itself in many different ways, so let me just say this uh, while I'm laying this foundation here, when I talk about logic this morning, because I'm going to refer to this word quite often, I am talking about that ability, that little voice that sits on your shoulder and tells you it's not worth it, it's that thing that tells you you're too tired to go to Wednesday night, you know that service where if we can make it, we're there. It is nevertheless, I am very thankful for the message that I heard, both Wednesday night and this morning. But Wednesday night, I took, I took notes because I wanted to hear this. And this thought that, that the bishop brought to us this morning, I appreciate being able to sit here on your pews for the last couple of services. And this is, again, another reason that I tell you you're a very, very blessed people but I want you to understand that logic will tell you you don't have to be there at certain services. Logic will tell you things that, you know, it's not necessary. All these people get in here and they start waving their hands and clapping their hands and whatever. Logic will tell you you're too tired to do this. I am telling you this morning that those are demonstrations of faith. When you walk into this house, the fact... Now, I'm going to take this a little step farther. I don't know if I said this before, but I'll say it again. The fact that you got up this morning and you said, what am I going to wear to church? In my mind, it is a statement of faith. Because you said, I want to look good when I go to the house of God. I want to be presentable to God and to the people of God. I'm going to join force. When you walk in here and you sit on these pews and the praise team starts, they flash the words up here and we start worshiping and praising. When you stood up and you begin to clap your hands, that was a statement of faith. Brother Trey, are you really telling me that, that you believe faith is this radical? I am telling you I believe it more than this, okay? I believe it to this degree that when I got up this morning, I woke up, I set my alarm saying I want to get up and get my mind wrapped around this service. That was a statement of faith. Why do I believe that? Because what I believe that this morning to that degree, because when I got up, I believed that if I could wrap my mind around the things that I wanted to convey to this church today, that God would touch my mind and He would be able to help me do it. I believe this morning that when I walked in here and I didn't just plop down in a pew saying it's Sunday morning and I'm going to let everybody else carry the worship today. So I'm going to get in here and I'm going to worship and I'm going to pray and I'm going to sing. I believe that God was going to respond to my worship. He's going to to respond to that because it's a matter of faith. I believe this morning that when the when the preacher gets up and he begins to read the word, I'm going to say amen because I want my word, my spirit, and my faith to confirm that word and to let it get into my spirit, let it affect me. You know, if all we wanted to do was just come and sit like a bump on a pickle, we can stay at home and do that on the front porch, right? You don't have to get all dressed to do that. Just throw your jeans, t-shirt, and some flip-flops on and go sit in a rocker. But if you're going to come to the house of God, you ought to give it the best that you got. And you ought to let your faith out of the box. The reason that I say this is because when you do that, God is touching your faith. If you give Him faith, He's giving more faith back. When you use your He is a God that provides. And if you'll dig into that word, you'll find He is a God that replenishes. When you give to Him, He gives it back to you. Press down, shaking together, and running over. It's not just about money, but if you'll give money, God will give it back to you. It may come in the form of a doctor that's not going to charge you. It may come in the form of a good deal on a car, but God will give it back to you. He'll give it back to you because He's a replenishing God. He's a God that will walk with you the extra mile because He's a replenishing God. I'm talking about faith this morning, and if you've got faith to believe in the power of God, I am telling you this morning, you serve a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above i'm trying (laughs) i'm trying i just want you to understand that your faith is important because we're getting into this and your faith is essential in helping you walk with god so now we're going to go back to our story in verse two and the hand of midian prevailed against israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. Everybody say, in the mountains. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat on the terebinth tree in verse 11, which was in Oprah, and, and which belonged to Joash and, okay, his dad. So Gideon threshed wheat, everybody say, in the wine press, in order to hide it from the Midianites. Point number one this morning. Logic keeps us hidden out in obscurity. Logic, when you allow human reasoning, your own way of thinking, we are outside of the realm of believing and trusting God. It will keep you hidden out in obscure places. God has called every one of us to a victorious life. He has called you to a productive life. He's not called you to come sit on a pew. If that's where you are, I'm sorry, I'm just the mailman Take it up with God. I'm just telling you, we were created. We were created for good works. Paul tells the Ephesian church, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That is not when you were born the first time. Because he said, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We were created, that is the second time that we were born, for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay? Now, life, circumstance, it just happens. And before we realize it, we are going through the motions at times. We are just walking into church. We're just clapping our hands because everybody else is clapping. We're just lifting our hands and, you know, we're faking our way through a prayer because everybody else is doing. And what you're doing when you're doing that is you are living your life out in obscurity. And by that I mean you are living an unproductive and unfruitful life. And you are held by, uh, uh, captive by the attacks of logic. We are not living in sin necessarily. Don't misunderstand me. We are not living in sin necessarily. We're doing things that need to be done. After all, we are at church, right? We are dropping our envelope in the little plate. We're doing things that are supposed to be done. We're just not doing what God wants us to be doing. God has so much more for us today. He's got more for the young people that are sitting here. He's got more for the elders that are sitting here. He's got something for the husbands and the wives that are coming and thinking the greatest challenge in life right now is just getting my teenager through high school. I'm telling you, God has more for you than just that. I am telling you that God has a work that He wants you to do that nobody else can do. But if you allow logic to rob you of the kind of faith necessary to move you into that area, you're going to live an unproductive and an unfruitful life. Some of you here today, you have compromised with logic. Logic told you that your prayer would go unheard. And so what did you do? You quit praying. Logic told you that there was no place that you could be used in the kingdom of God, young person. And so what do you do? You find acceptance out in the world. And I'm telling you, that is not the will of God. Logic told you to just sit and be happy uh, doing nothing for God. Don't worry about witnessing. Don't worry about your testimony. When you show up to church. Just sit there. Nobody's watching you. Nobody thinks about you. God doesn't. He's ignoring you. And I am telling you that that is a lie from hell. You don't need to believe that. I am telling somebody this morning, you matter to God. You belong to God. You are His. You are His prized possession. You are the apple of His eye. You are the one He loves so much that He robed Himself in flesh and He decided decided to walk among his own creation knowing that he would be despised, knowing he would be rejected, but he loved you anyway. but logic told us you're too tired to make it to Wednesday night Bible study logic told us that we are just you know we're too busy to be able to teach a Bible study to somebody else logic has told us that you know you're too tired to worship and service today let the rest of the congregation carry it and we believed it and when we do that we step into this area of obscurity where we are unproductive and we are unfruitful and God cannot do anything with our life because we have given him nothing that he can work with. But I am telling you this morning that God has a call on you. I don't care how old you are today. I don't care how young you are today. You are called out of darkness and into his marvelous light to show forth his praises. And now how you show his praises is going to be left up to you. But he put the call of God on you. He called you out of filth. He called you out of darkness. And he called you out of the ugliness. And he called you out of hate and he calls you out of bitterness so that you can love and so that you can be fruitful so that you can have compassion on somebody else so that somebody could have the same opportunity to hear and respond to the same truth that you heard and responded to you got to call now in the same way that Paul told Philippi being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you he will complete it he is going to bring it to completion but the element that is on the table that is under discussion today the element that is under question today is do you have the faith to believe that God has begun something in you and he's going to bring it to completion in your life do you actually believe it And logic will tell you, logic will tell you that you know the doctor said this or you know your husband or your wife says this about you and there's other people in your life that are speaking down about you and they're saying things about you that you don't want to believe you don't want to believe that those things are true you don't want to believe that you're a bad wife or a bad husband you don't want to believe that you don't matter in the kingdom of God and I am telling you that God loved you enough remember this He loved you enough to fill you with His Spirit And so, all of the other negative voices in your life, they become uh, tools in the hand of the adversary to tell you and cause you to just step back from your faith in God and to start just saying, you know what, maybe they're telling me the truth. And I'm telling you, it is a lie from hell, don't buy that lie, don't listen to that lie, run from that lie, I'll tell you this morning, why? Because he, that this work in you is going to complete it he's walking with you he's with you he sees you he's not I like the way Bishop said it this morning God's not back here in a back room while hell's wreaking havoc in your life I am telling you this morning God wanted somebody to hear that you're not by yourself you're not walking through the valley of the shadow of death by yourself he's with you he's with you He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. It may feel like there's darkness all around, but if you'll walk in the light, as He's in the light, we'll have fellowship with Him. The moment that you are saved, God begins a work in you. And He wants to work... Not only in us, but through us, for the benefit of other people. Everybody say, I am blessed to be a blessing. God gives you blessings through finances. We are to bless the kingdom of God. And when we do that, it's like this. If you're holding on to your money like this right here, it's not going anywhere. Right? This makes sense, right? But neither is anything that God has for you going to get into that hand. Right? But the moment you open it up like this and you give, God has something He can give back to. You can receive that now because your hand, your spirit is now open to what God... Okay. I appreciate you not getting quiet on Monday this morning, but it works the same with your time. It works the same with your faith. It works the same with every aspect of your walk with God. If you'll put it out there, let God that boy would not have had 12 baskets to take back home to his family if he didn't give those couple of fish and and pieces of bread. But they took up baskets. I'm not talking about a little offering plate. I'm talking baskets. They took up baskets. And how did he get it home? Did he take it home? I don't know. But that That was what was left over and it would not have happened had that boy just taken his little sack lunch back home with him. I'm telling you this morning, God is wanting to work through you. You don't have to hide out in these places of obscurity. You don't have to hide out in the land of unfruitfulness. You don't belong up in the dens and the caves. You belong down here in the promised land that God gave you. We read about them going in and Taken over the promised land. They did not settle dens. They did not settle caves. Gideon is not supposed to be threshing wheat in a wine press. But we're doing this because we're hiding. Why? Because our faith had gotten so far from where God wanted us to be. And I'm telling you this morning that you can put logic on the altar and you can crucify that nonsense and you can walk out of here today i'm not talking about a long lengthy process i am talking about today god walk out you can walk out of here god having baptized you with a brand new thriving growing productive faith in god and that is the only way that you'll be able to step up and fulfill The challenge that God has for you. To step into the calling that God has for you. Let's move along. Verse 12 of chapter 6. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. Listen to this. He calls him a mighty... We're hiding. We're hiding. And this is a mighty man of valor. Naturally, logic kicks in. Oh Lord, if, if you're with us, Every time you read about that word, if, in the Bible, it's a huge word. If you're with us, why then is all this stuff happened to us? And where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about? You know, Sam, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, and they're passing the tradition on to their children. And why has the Lord forsaken us and allowed us to be delivered in the hands of the Midianites? And the Lord said to him, didn't even address the logic. Okay? It's not important to God. You can take your reason, your human reason, you can take your logic. He's not even interested in it. Go in this might of yours. Now, I can imagine Gideon standing there scratching his head. Did you not just hear what I said to you? And God saying, it's not important to me. Go in this might of yours. You shall save the Midianites... uh, You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And then he goes a step farther and he said, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my logic, logic. He's just like throwing up logic, okay? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be vulgar there. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Lesson number two. Logic will keep you blind to God's perspective of you. Gideon was a farmer, sure enough. Okay? He was not a trained warrior. But God saw him as a mighty man of valor. Even though at times our faith is weak and wavering, God has the ability... To see in us things that we cannot see in ourselves. Because God sees us not as we see ourselves, but as He sees us with His power working in us. I need to say it again. God sees us not as we are, but as we can be through His power. we may see ourselves as weak we may see ourselves as afraid or even defeated but God is looking at you this morning sir ma'am young person God is looking at you today and he knows what he can do through you and he is calling you a mighty man or a woman of valor Tray, I'm up in the dens, I'm up in the caves, I'm in these obscure places. I'm telling you, your logic does not matter to God. You don't understand how bad the situation is. You don't understand the things that people have said to me. I'm telling you, it does not matter. I don't have to know the bad problems. I don't have to know the bad things that people have. I don't have to know none of that. And is not interested in it, I am telling you that God sees you as a mighty man of valor. God's perspective of you is not affected by the way you see yourself. God is motivated by His power and by what He wants to accomplish in your life. In verse 33, We move ahead in the story and the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east they gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But, verse 34, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Abiezrites gathered behind him. This time when the enemy came in against them it was different. Gideon is not hiding out this time. Gideon is not hiding out over in the in the wine press threshing his wheat. This time there has been an encounter with God, okay? This time and this is a totally different message altogether. But this is where God had revealed himself as Jehovah, the the peace of God. He got he got peace from God and he got peace with God, okay? That's another sermon altogether. But the spirit of God had come on him. Now understand this right here. Literally, the Hebrew word reads that the Spirit of Jehovah clothed him. It literally reads that the Spirit of Jehovah like this right here and he gets along with God and he gets a revelation of the peace of God and the Spirit of God bishop you're talking about putting on that garment that rightfully belongs to us when you are a child of god when you have repented you've been baptized in jesus name you have been filled with the holy spirit there are certain privileges that you get you just you are a he gives us as many as received him to them he gave the right to become the authority the power to become the sons and the daughters of god right so there are certain privileges because he's now your father Right? And so you have a right to put this on now. And the spirit of Jehovah clothed Gideon. And he stands up, not over in the caves and the dens, but now this time he stands up. And he blows that clear, certain sound, and the people gather behind him. The Spirit of God was clothing him. And it was clothing him with his presence and with his power. And it was giving him the wisdom and the ability to lead the troops of Israel. He's a farmer. And he just got promoted to general. General. We went from a plow, we went from a pitchfork to a trumpet, not even a sword, but we go to a trumpet. Why? Because God is on him and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. Do you hear what I'm saying? God sees you in a particular way that you may not be able to see yourself. Who would have ever thought that you can blow a trumpet and light a a, a, a cigarette light, or let's just say, or shine a flashlight, and you're gonna defeat your enemy? Who would have ever thought that? Now certainly that's not a part of our logic. What we think is we need more people. Send Paul Revere out and tell him that, you know, the British are coming. We need everybody. We need everybody on guard. Grab your rifle, grab your muskets, grab your powder, and grab some water. Kiss your wife, and let's go to war. We want all the people we can get. But that is not the way God does it. And we think one way, and God is saying, Please take this and put it over here. Either way, I'm not interested in hearing what you're thinking. I want you to get interested in what I want to do in your life. And like Gideon, every one of us, when we make up our mind, I am going to get alone with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into my closet. And I'm going to shut everything out. And I'm going to crucify flesh. And I'm going to crucify anything that would come against faith. And I'm going to kill and I'm going to kill my own reasoning and I'm going to kill my own mentality of thinking outside of the realm of the power of God and when I come out of that closet I will be clothed with the power and the presence and the anointing and yes the favor of God why? because God is wanting to show you himself he wants to prove to you what he can do through you if you yield your thinking to him God, baptize our thinking today. Baptize our thinking with a fresh faith. Baptize our thinking with the power of your word. Baptize our thinking today, God, with the way that you think. Baptize our thinking today, God, with your mind and with your thoughts. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of a hope future and to give you all these blessings and sometimes we think i can never be blessed i can't be blessed i can't do what these people have done you don't have to do what other people have done you just gotta walk where god wants you to walk just walk where god wants you to be don't believe the voice that told you you are unimportant to god I'm telling you this morning, I feel this heavy today. Don't believe the voice that told you you are insignificant in the kingdom of God. I'm just little old me. I live on 40 acres of farmland. I am telling you right now, God will use you right in the middle of this place. And he'll use you to turn this community upside down. If you believe that God sees you and wants to work with you just like you are. Do not believe that lie that tells you that your abilities and your talents are worthless to God, that your prayers would be unaffected. That is another lie from hell. I am telling you that you can make a difference. I am telling that you can pray, and your prayer can be that effectual, fervent prayer that shakes kingdoms, that shakes government authorities. I am telling you that your faith can move mountains I am telling you this morning that your faith can pluck up trees I am telling you this morning that you can save somebody by your praying and by your faith and by worship and by your lifestyle but you've got to believe it like john said it greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world there is a force that's working against us but i am telling you greater is the force that is working inside us than the force coming against us Sometimes we feel so inadequate. We feel inadequate. I didn't go to Bible college. Well, guess what? I didn't either. God spared me. <laughs> I didn't, go to Bible. I didn't go to this school. And I don't have this particular name. And I don't have this kind of money. Guess what? I don't either. I'm just a nobody. I'm just trying to do what God has called me to do. And I am telling you. If you'll allow that kind of thinking. To baptize your mind. That it doesn't matter what God calls me to do. I'm going to give it the best that I've got. I'm going to baptize my talents with his power. I'm going to baptize my abilities with prayer. And I'm going to step out clothed in the power in the presence of God. And again, Paul tells us that our sufficiency is from God. If you feel self-sufficient today, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to just speak bold right here. You're going to slap to hell with that kind of nonsense. You are going to destroy yourself. You're going to destroy your family. You're going to destroy your children. You're going to wreck your home, your finances, your marriage. You're going to wreck everything. But when you realize that my sufficiency is from God, I have nothing of myself. I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can't pull myself up by my shoelaces. I have to... To get up, and I have to do it by the power of God. Every time that I, I operate in my own power, I find that I fail. I find that I mess up. I find myself falling flat on my face. But in those times, I can even reach up to God. I can reach up to His presence, and guess what? He's right there with me. He's walking with me. He saw me fall, and He still loved me. Why? 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 I don't know. I don't know how to explain to you this morning the grace of God, but I am so. I am so thankful for the grace of God that will reach right down in the middle of the muck and the mire and where would we be without the grace of God? He pulled us, some of us, he went into that bar room and he pulled us off that stool. Some of us, he slapped that bottle out of our hand. Some of us, he knocked that syringe out of our arm. God's grace, it goes beyond situations. You and I wouldn't do this. Why did he do it? Because he saw you. He saw you and he loved you. And he knew what you could be with His power working through you. At times we feel weak and we feel afraid. But God will provide the needed strength. I want to share this with you. We read a lot from Isaiah. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Right? Have you ever backed up a couple of verses and read? And receive revelation of what is happening in these passages. You back up at Isaiah 40 verse 28. Have you not known? And have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He neither faints nor is weary. And his understanding is unsearchable. And then the next verse it says he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Now, I want you to see this a totally different way. We always think they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I want you to back up and read verse, uh, what is it, verse 28? Have you not known? Have you not heard? God don't need you. Well, Brother Trey, I'm just telling you what it says. He's the everlasting God. That means he was here a long time before you. He's going to be here a long time after you. Okay? He is the Lord, the sovereign God, the I am, the self-sufficient one. Did you hear that? The self-sufficient one? The creator of the ends of the earth. The creation that you enjoy, He's the one responsible for that. He neither faints nor is weary. Another passage tells us He does not slumber. He does not sleep. His eyes always watch it. He watches the... He sees the lily in the field. When it withers up, He sees the sparrow fall from the sky. Right? But He takes all of that and He channels it to you. Why? Because He sees you. He sees you. He knows you're weak. You don't got to tell Him. You didn't surprise God with that. <clears throat> but He channels all of that because He sees how you could be when He puts His power in you. And now you get to step out of the dens and the caves. You get to leave these places of obscurity. And you get to walk in the strength And now you can understand they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's not my strength. That's what Paul was saying. When I am weak, then I'm strong. And what he was saying, it's another Bible passage for another Bible study night. What he's saying is I do have ability. I do have talent. But if I use my ability and my talent, the best I'm going to ever be able to do We're out of context, but the principle is the same. It's produced flesh. Because that which is born of flesh is flesh. But when something is birthed by the Spirit, I think that's pretty good. Clap your hands, let's love the Lord. Am I over my time yet? I got one more point. Can y'all hang on here? We move deeper into the story. Judges chapter 7 verse 2. And the Lord says to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. Therefore, proclaiming the hearing of the people, saying, "Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart from the from Mount Gilead." And twenty-two thousand people turned around and they went back to mama. Okay, I just added a couple words there just for the (laughs) to embellish the Hebrew just a little bit. And ten thousand remained the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. And in the original geek, we are freaking out, right? 10,000? We've got three nations approximately coming up against us, and you're telling me, we just sent 22 packing back to mom, and you're telling me now that this 10 that we got left over is too much? Yes? Yes, that's what I'm saying. See, logic, it always messes things up. It always skews the whole picture. And God's saying that's not important. I want you to understand I'm wanting to do something through you. People still to me to bring them down too. Everybody say the water... We'll come back to that in a second. I will test them for you there. Then it will be that um, of whom I say to you, this one shall be go with you, the same shall go with you. And whoever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, uh, the number of those who lapped putting uh, their hand to their mouth was three hundred. All the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hands. Tell everybody else to go on home. Point number three. And as Paul said so many times, long time before he was through, finally, brethren. Logic causes us to settle for small victories that we are able to accomplish without God. Ephesians 3.20 has been a staple of my ministry for the last year of my life. Now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. Of th- Let's just do a little quick English lesson right here. We all know about those little adjectives and adverbs and pronouns and stuff. And everybody starts getting really weird right now. There's no test involved in this, okay? <laughs> Exceedingly abundantly. Exceedingly does not describe above. Abundantly does. Okay? Exceedingly describes abundantly. Because there's no comma between them. Just simple little grammar grammar thing that I thought you might find interesting today. Because I want you to understand unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. But it's according to the power that works in us. So he's not able to do just... It's not like he can blow our minds. It's like he can go exceeding abundantly above blowing our minds. Okay? The things... Hear me. The things that you ask or think are never as big as what God wants to do. Don't limit your prayer. Say, you know, God, I really wish, you know, you see this situation. I really wish you would do this right here. Don't limit God. Because He may do it just like you ask Him to do it. He's got the power to do that, right? But it's better if we just back up and say, God, you see what is going on. From the beginning, the root of this problem, to the very outcome, the conclusion, when all the dust is settled at the end of the day, I want your will done here. There's a big difference. You may come out on top with your answer that you asked God to give you. But it might not be as good as what could have been. Right? Kind of like leaving the sugar out of the tea. You got iced tea. It just wasn't sweet. You didn't ask for sugar. Okay, I would like sweet tea. Is that slow brewed or is that instant? You see what I'm saying? We we have a way with our logic of limiting things that could happen that could be really good. So walk in the restaurant and say, I want the very best sweet tea that has ever been made. And you cover all your bases. And when you come to God... I want the very best answer that I can get from you. You see the trial. You see the trouble. I'm telling you right now. And the big things that God is wanting to do is done according to the power that works in us. See, God wants to do big things, but logic's going to keep you from expressing the faith that is necessary to see it. Logic will cause us to settle for small victories that we can accomplish without God. Why? Because we're going after answers that don't require faith, they don't require prayer, and they don't uh, require divine intervention. That is not the will of God. Brother Trey, Pray, I'm praying. You're getting on to me for praying today. No, 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 I'm not getting on to you. I'm just trying to expand your horizons here. I'm trying to tell you that we serve a big God, so get Him out of the box. (laughs) Now I'm going to slow down and talk about this right here because I think this is probably the most important point of all today. I know you're getting restless, but I promise I'm getting done. This portion of the Gideon story is God subtracting 31,700 men from Gideon's equation. It is a picture of flesh versus spirit. Okay? Less flesh plus more spirit equals powerful results. Now, I really need you to think about this, so I'm going to give you a couple things to think about. Lady's got an issue of blood, been dealing with this for 12 years. She's set back. She can't go to the temple and worship because she's unclean. She touches anybody, they got to go through procedures to get themselves clean. She's unclean, right? 12 years. Spent everything she's got on doctors and insurance programs, and the Affordable Care Act would not have helped her, okay? So, I'm sorry. I do not like mixing politics in the pulpit, (laughs) but I just did it. Forgive me. Y'all, y'all know what politics is, right? I don't I've <clears throat> poly means many ticks are a little blood sucking. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Just fodder. Just fodder. Well we got some amans out here after he done woke up. Okay, so she's got an issue of blood, twelve years, she's completely set back. There's no hope for her. Doctors don't cross their arms. There's nothing we can do for you. We don't reach that point. She's beyond that. She's now desperate. There's a crowd of people. Again, I'm giving you all my best sermons today. Okay? There's a crowd of people around this lady, uh, around Jesus. And what does she start doing? She starts pressing her way through, right? She's pushing her way through all this. Finally, she reaches out, touches the hem of his garment, and there's authority there. There's authority there. Healing virtue flows from his body into hers. Okay? She steps back into the crowd. Jesus turns around and says, Who touched me? There's one of those knuckleheads he calls disciples. And they say, Lord, what do you mean who touched you? You see this throng of people around you. And he says, now this is Trey's version. He says, and I'm not talking about people that casually bumped into me. Like people that show up to church every week that just casually bump into the presence of God. I'm talking about somebody got intentional today. Somebody got intentional. And what this girl had to do was a picture of her getting past flesh. Because flesh just casually bumps into God. Now I feel some Holy Ghost right here. I could preach for a little while right about now, but I'm not going to. We can do that some other time perhaps, but she has to press through. And that's what you do when you get up. That's why I said what I did at the beginning today. When you decided, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to the house of God. The dog does stuff in the carpet, and we that slows us down. Junior's throwing up all over the kitchen. That slows us down. But we are not going to miss the presence of God. I'm talking about just, I'm being real. I got dogs that do stuff. I got kids that have barfed, okay? I'm just being real with you. I'm, I don't mean to get this plain here, but I'm just telling you, we're real people, we're human people, we deal with junk, and flesh tries to get between us and God too often, and this lady right here becomes a pr- a-, a picture, a beautiful picture of us getting past flesh, she's getting elbowed in the jaw, elbowed in the nose, in the eyes. she's being pushed down, they're pushing, but why, because everybody wants to be close to Jesus, everybody wants to see the popularity. She's not wanting to see. She's wanting to touch. She's wanting to walk away with a miracle. Big, big, big difference here. Right? we got to get past flesh. Now, let's take it a step farther. We look at people like Samson. He takes up the a uh, the, uh, donkey jawbone. He kills a thousand men, right? Soldiers. I don't know how he did it. It just takes a little... How big... I don't know. It just... He just, he does it. He whacks them and kills them. They're dead, right? Jonah uses his voice. He preaches to an entire nation and they experience revival. Daniel's prayer, he just uses his prayer life. He is saved from lions and then he saves a nation. They have revival. Okay, how does this happen? This happens when people realize that we're going to have to tap into the Spirit. I need to give you another example because you just missed it again. David, I can take this. I can take this giant. Saul says, "No, you can't do this. You're just a little kid." And he's been a warrior since the time he was a kid. I'm just telling you. You know, we had some encounters with a lion one time, a bear another time. They took some sheep. I went after them, whipped them, brought the sheep back. And this guy ain't no different. Right? What does Saul do? Saul is flesh. Remember, he's out of touch with God. He's flesh. So he takes his armor and he puts it on David. And David says, no, I'm not familiar with this kind of stuff. This is David, the boy that is got the heart after God, right? He's the one who's a man after God's own heart. This is the dude strumming and writing psalms, right? Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't know how it went, but... <clears throat> Maybe somebody could help us out with a with a tune or something. But <clears throat> we're out here on the, on the hillside, and we're writing our psalms, and we're talking to God and everything. Somewhere along the line, he got in touch with God, right? And this day was no different. We've got this huge giant, probably about as tall from here to the ceiling right there, I would imagine. And he's coming out, and, and David is about my height probably because he's only about 17 or 18 years old, and I quit growing right around there. So <laughs> I imagine... <laughs> I'm just closer to the ground. My advantage is when I fall, I don't fall so hard. Okay, so Anyway, you'll get that later. So what happens is, I'm not used to these things. He takes them off, gives them back to Saul, right? Where does he go next? Who? To the water. Okay, now, is not water representative of the Spirit? Did not Isaiah say, with joy shall you draw from the wells of salvation? Did not Jesus say, if you're thirsty let him come to me right i'll put in him a, a well of living water spring springing everlasting and did he not explain john explained this he was speaking about the holy spirit so water becomes an analogy of the spirit do you see now david moving past flesh and reaching into the spirit to draw out the things he was going to need to fight that battle that day do you see what i'm saying God tell Gideon these guys to go for their test we have got to get to the place people where we quit relying on logic which is flesh and we tap into the spirit because the spirit of God is wanting to accomplish things in our life you are not going to be able to get done by yourself you are not going to be able to do it quit kidding yourself Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But we still try. Why do we do that? Is not one definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result? I forget, somebody in leadership said that one time. That's insanity. So at what point do we back up and we say, God, I'm going to do what Paul said. I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to crucify flesh. Because I think this little short preacher has been preaching to me today and he's about got me convinced that where I'm living right now is not where you want me to live. He's about got me convinced that you see something in me. I want to read one more thing to you in closing. Nothing honors God more than going after big victories by His Spirit working through us. Why? Because there's no way that we can get the credit for it. It keeps us on our knees and it keeps us seeking the face of God. It causes us to stay focused on our complete dependence upon God. Alan Redpath said this in the making of the man of God. Today, much of the Christian church is helpless. Behind the scenes and away from the public arena, it is facing powers of darkness too strong for it. Listen, because somewhere in their personal lives, they forfeited all rights to the Spirit's anointing, authority, and power. So in the absence of the power of God, all that can be done is to substitute planning, organization, schemes, and techniques. Therefore, listen to this. They break down every time because the enemy is too powerful for them. Nowhere does God condone self-confidence. He always tells us to crucify flesh. He always tells us to depend on Him. He always tells us to trust Him. And that is why Paul said, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. I know how to suffer. And I know how to walk without suffering. I know how to be hungry. And I know how to be full. I know how to pray. And I know what it's like to be empty because I don't pray. I know what it's like to be full. And I know what it's like to be wanting. I know what it's like to be moving in the authority of God, and I know what it feels like to be suppressed because people are whipping me. I'm adding a lot to this, but I'm just telling you what Paul was thinking. But he says, I've learned how to be content wherever I am. And then later on, he tells us, I can do anything. I can do anything. Who? I can do anything through Christ. That strengthens me. we're not going to get that strength until we get along with God so that's the way I want this altar call to go today. I want everybody to come down here today well brother Trey you may not really been speaking I'm talking to you I'm talking I'm talking to me I'm asking everybody would you come and let's just spend a little bit of time here God I want you to refocus me today I want you to take my faith baptize me with a fresh faith. Give me eyes to see what you see, God. Give me the sensitivity to be able to see what you see in me. God, I pray that you would touch my mind today. Touch my spirit. Help me to see, God, what you want me to do. Give me the wisdom to see it. Give me the spiritual energy to be able to step into your will. To walk in your way. I want to live a life that pleases you, God. I don't want to run from you. I don't want to run from my enemy. I don't want to hide out in the dens and the caves. God, I want to step into the power and the anointing that you have for me. I want to step into the calling that you have on my life. I want to step into that today, God. I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray right now, God.